You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. All right, Primal Radio, Tom, what's up, buddy? Uh, yeah, I'm good, man. I've just got back from Ireland, so uh, was, we kind of... What were, you, what were you doing in Ireland? It was a belated thing for my dad's birthday, so he's got brothers and sisters over there. Yeah. So we we mm-hmm. kind of wandered around Galway, which was like the city he grew up in, kind of going through old stories, had a few Guinnesses, a few whiskeys, and it, it was nice. It, ah, it, ah. it just makes you very conscious that, you know, your, your parents are getting older and to sort of treasure them what? while they're around you know treasure them what yeah right right well now i hear you it does say there they are getting older are you yeah, feeling your, are you feeling your mortality now it's just like his brothers and sisters they've all got some kind of minor or more serious medical issue really yeah. and you know my, my dad was an older dad so and he's very fit and healthy but it just it Good. just brings it home that you know they're, they're right. not gonna be around forever and you just gotta enjoy it and do trips like that and make the most of your time with them so you're saying your dad's an older dad. Does that mean you were an accident? <laughs> no, he just well, spent a lot of time planning. <laughs> well, so since he blew it, so we have a special guest today, all the way from Pennsylvania, a guy I've known for shit way long, and um, real dear, dear friend of mine, excellent martial artist, the founder of Bama. He's a full instructor under Tim Tackett. The Wednesday night group and a whole whole host of other uh, people. But anyway, welcome to the show, Mick Thornton. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me here. Hey, Tom, did you have a special introduction that I kind of stepped on? No, that that was good. That was good for me. I mean, like you said, we're we're kind of all old friends, and sometimes when we've done shows like this, they've worked out real good because you know you know you know all the shit on people. So you know you know all the dirty. All the dirty stuff going on. I so, don't so know what, been, you're, what you're referring to. We don't to know. About the I know. I hear you. So we've, we've been on the air now over a year, and, and Mick has not been on the show this time around. I, and that was just no particular reason. It just kind of just didn't happen. Um, and there's no order of importance when people come on the show, by the way. So other people are like, wow, you know, we didn't have what Jeremy Lynch on either, right? And then all of a sudden we had him on. And so, but now we got Mick on, and, and I'm glad. And, and uh, he's got uh, have a ton of stuff for us. But anyway, so uh, anyway, so Mick, what's going on, man? How are things going now? What's going on in, uh, in your neck of the woods? Everything's good, man. You know, got the school going pretty well. Uh, uh-huh. Looking looking for a new location in Pennsylvania, probably Tuesday. Really? Where is this near your house, sir? So get this. It's right next to Asian World of Martial Arts. Like one no building kidding. down. Yeah. That is so funny. Isn't that a little, that's a little far away from you, is it not? Uh, it's about a half an hour drive. So you've been so so people don't know you pretty much for the last however many years for the most part have taught pretty much out of your house right you know what probably been out of this house for the past tw- maybe twenty years that's not including all the little schools that I've had around the areas and you know the right. stuff that we've done together right right but I mean for, right for you you have a small crew well more, a little bit more than a small group of guys and you teach primarily. JKD, right? And you well, know. Uh, yeah, it's a mix of all of it. You know, Jikundo is uh, one of our bases on Monday. Tuesday is some type of weapons day, and then Wednesday is the hodgepodge. Throw it all together. See what Throw it all get. together. Right, right. Just kind of make a thing, right? You got And how how are these guys? How are you finding these guys? Are you venting them out? Because like I got a different situation. I have 
really like a public school, so I have to do less of a vetting process. So um, sometimes less than desirable or top-notch students would come in. Are you are you vetting these guys out before they come in? So you... yeah, we we do vet some of them, but here's the deal. Right. You know, you do you do seminars at other schools, which we've right. done plenty of in this area, and then oh, yeah. uh, and then next thing you know, they're you're getting students from seminars and to where you're calling the person that you went to did the seminar and say, Hey, like I go to your, your place, Jim, and I do a seminar. Next thing you know, you show up with uh, five or six students and three of them come to me. So then I right. call Jimmy on the phone and say, Hey, you know, your students are here and you're like, Oh, it's cool. Like, let them train, <laughs> let them train somewhere else. And then next uh-huh. thing you know, they never go back. Right. <laughs> so, so between that and word of mouth, it's uh, it's been pretty strong. Right. No, absolutely. So how many guys you got working out of the basement right now? 22. That's a lot of guys, man. It is a lot. Well, and, and three, two. three women, three women, and uh, yeah. the rest are all male. Wow, that's ranging that's from a... the ages of uh, fourteen to I would say sixty-six. Oh, really? Sixty-six? Yeah. Do I know who that is? No, nope. I haven't met this guy. Not yet. I've had one stroke and one heart attack in my class so far. Good going. <laughs> For, for context, it, though, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a substantial space you've got there, and you've got a big backyard as well for, like, you know, training right. in the summer months, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, Tom, you've been to the house, so, yeah, it's about, I'm thinking it's uh, 400, 400 square feet. It's not super big. It might, it might be a little larger than that, but then the backyard's over an acre. Yeah, the so backyard's huge. We've done a lot of stuff there. And it's, it's always great training outside on the grass, under the trees, you know, in the heat. So, the wife has been graceful enough to let me throw out all the furniture that was down here and turn us into a shit show. So yeah, it's all good. Uh, no, it is. It is. It is. All right. So, so how long, uh, I've known you forever. For God's sake, and we'll cover this again. Before we met, you were doing martial arts, but since you were a kid, right? Pretty much since I was whole, twelve, about twelve years 12. old. What'd you start in? Taekwondo. Well, yeah, that was pretty prominent around. That's pretty yeah. much the only selection you had. And you're from Philadelphia, though, so you could have probably found some other kung fu and stuff well, like that. Well, you know, that. I did boxing at the Four, at the four Clovers there in Philadelphia for years yeah. as a kid. Then uh, I started putting my hands on people a little too much, so my mommy got me into the martial arts, which put me into a more uh, controlled. festive, yeah, festive controlled uh, place. Right. So, uh, Was it rough? Like, Was it a necessity? When I was growing up in the inner city, it was definitely a necessity. You had to have uh, the thick skin. You had to have the tough hands. If you didn't, you know, you got your ass kicked all over the place. And, for instance, you fight one young – you fight a guy, and the next thing you know, 5 o'clock back in our days, you know, dinner time was 5 o'clock. That's where you were. So uh, they knew knew where to find you, so the older brother would come knock on your door, and you'd be fighting again. Ah, have to beat the guy up. Yeah, so – Right, so after after Taekwondo and stuff and all that, so what would you would you delve into after that? So after Taekwondo, I was at a tournament actually in Atlantic City. Uh, I believe it was a top ten nationals for full contact sparring, and wow, wow. I seen a guy by the name of Jeff Speakman. He did a wow! Little, uh, he did a little intro there for a movie called The Perfect Weapon. Right. Oh, that where they did that? Yeah. Well, they did one of them there. You know, he came to that tournament there. So then after that, I went and uh, sought out a Kempo school. Then from there, I sought out Filipino martial arts and, and knife fighting and all that stuff. Uh, played with a knife. I was in a knife fighting seminar and I met this gentleman by, by the name of Hawk. I think we know him. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then uh, Hawk and I had a conversation about knife fighting and he's like, uh, I think you should go meet a friend of mine. So oh, is that how it happened? That's how it happened. 
Oh, I didn't even remember. Well, yeah. I owe him, don't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because <laughs> you figure, how long ago did you work in Hibernia? Hibernia, Hibernia oh. Fight Gym. So that is legendary in the, in this area. It was, I bet, it uh, was around um, mid '90s, maybe early yeah. '90s, right? Something '94. That's what I'm thinking. Right, 94, 95, in there, somewhere in the vicinity. What Hibernia was is it was a firehouse. And in this town of Lamberville, which is uh, on the Delaware River outside of Philadelphia, it's a nice little quaint town for, what, shopping and all kinds of cool yeah. stuff and bars. And and so I learned that the um, the place was for rent. The third floor of this 120-year-old fire department called the Hibernia Firehouse Hence, that's how we got the name. Ironically, there was a lot of fucking Irish guys there training yeah, right. and fighting. But so everyone thought you had to be Irish to join. And then, uh, you know, we just used to fight all the time. We did everything. It was always a small club, super hardcore. Well, the best thing about right. people that don't know about the Hibernian fight, Jim, is that we had to board up the third floor window so nobody felt and threw to the ground. Right. That's right. That's right. Three stories high. <laughs> and so we had these gigantic two by fours or whatever they were in front of it. Because otherwise, yeah, you'd be dead. There was a river next to the side that, that ran into the Delaware. And, of course, out the front of the place would be uh, the concrete, which would have been yes. bad. The other thing is memorable about Hibernia was the straight, straight set of three flights straight up. There was no landing. It was just straight steps all the way up. Straight steps. I know. It, made amazing. Rocky, it made Rocky's run look like a pussy right. run. It was great. So, you, so, what, so after you talked to Hawk and you were doing your stuff, what did you call me up? I don't even so remember. So after I talked to Hawk, I gave you a phone call, and you were like, come on up. You were, you were, you were pretty cool on the phone. I said, come on up. You know, people think you're cool. But okay. um, so I show up, and I run up the steps. I run up those steps like, like Rocky with, uh, with emphysema. And uh, when I get to the top of the steps, here comes Jimmy. He says, are you Mick? And I say, yeah. I don't know if he recalls, but he says, you're up next. I'm like, okay. So I walk right in. <laughs> he puts me. He puts me right in the center of the floor with a gentleman named Stu Burrows. Oh, Stu, the hammer. So I'm sitting there boxing this guy. First time ever in the gym, and I'm hitting him, and I'm hitting him, and and, he, and Stu just like, I guess he like just looks at you with that stunned face because he could hit him so many times. Right. Hits me with this liver shot. Jim says, "Bathroom's down on the second floor. Turn to your left." I ran down and gave gave my guts up to the toilet because Stu hit me with such a shot. Yes. and that was my introduction to Hibernia. That's funny. Yeah, Stu was a professional boxer, a real ball. Yeah. You walk up the steps and you're in. Okay, you're Let's in. Do this. Yeah, that's what we do. That and then look, he got him back with knife fighting and other stuff. So it was okay. it was fun. That's funny. I forgot that story. Well, that's I, long... I counted to like three or four and I confused him, so I was able to hit him. So. Right, right. So, right. so what happened to that gym, guys? Hibernia. What, what was the story there? Um, here's essentially what happened. So you know, um, after a while, Mick was there. I love because Mick was part of it. And Mick, you left to go get married or something like no, that. No, I left to go have a child. You did. Yes, yeah, Sydney was thought, born in yeah. 2000. So oh, pregnant. Oh. Yes, I was, and you know, I still, I still, I still haven't lost that baby fat yet. No, so my, so my daughter's 18 now, so. Mick has his mother's hips. Yes, he does. He, I don't know what he looks like either. So, so, so Mick, right? So Mick leaves the gym around 2000 yeah. uh, for Sydney, and like you know, I guess that happens. Me, I, I just, you know, I, I survive all that stuff. I keep going, but um. So the gym went on for another eight years about, and what happened is I, I Wait, got, it, went, it, it went 2008, 
did it close 2008? Yeah. Here's what happens. I got a, um, a real good deal to work at a gym in Fort Washington. Remember that? Competitive's Edge. Right. And they paid me a lot of money to go teach there. And I tried to give the gym up to whoever wanted to do it, but no one wanted to step up and take take care of it. But anyway, what happened is the gym just went away uh, and never existed. It was never replaced. And it was, it was a shame because it was a really an integral part of our training back in the day. Yeah, you know? we had a lot of blood, sweat, right. and tears on those floors. Right, and you know what we liked about it is that we would just go there hardcore. We didn't know everything. We worked real hard, figured things out, beat the shit out of each other, and it was just a lot of fun, and you had to be built for that kind of atmosphere to go. It's, I don't think you could replicate it uh, anywhere no. again at that time. There was a lot of good talent that came into that gym. You know, we had Tackett there. Hawk Hawkeye had been there. Mark Hatmaker had been there. Yeah. Um, guys have done seminars up there and, and I, and I loved it. And I, and I, I don't really go in that town much anymore cause it's out of the way. But if every time I do, I think, mm, man, you know, that's a what? motorcycle pass for me all the time. Right. Is that right? You go through there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you know what, Tom, I, sh- I pulled up there one day on my motorcycle when I first, first week or two, I'm in, in Hibernia and you know, Jimmy's got that macho, uh, that big ass leather jacket, uh, sunglass, a picture up from right. years ago. I walk upstairs. I'm like, dude, do you ride? He goes, no, man, I drive a fucking minivan. So it's <laughs> <laughs> just something I'll never forget. That's right. But I had but a badass the, minivan. But here, it was a badass minivan because it was free, right? It was the worst right. minivan. That's right. So, uh, so years go by, and I, my daughter's raised, and I want to go find a place to train again. So I can't find Jim because, you know, he changes his number. Hibernia is not around anymore. And what makes the story pretty amazing is I show up at a Christmas party for a family member. My little cousin, Colin. Remember him? Of course. He was a fire plug. Colin comes up to me, and he starts boxing me. And I'm like, wait a minute. Stop. I back him up, and I look at him. I said, do that again. So he starts moving again. I look at my wife, and I go, do you see that? She goes, I see it. First words out of my mouth were, where's Jimmy at? How are you training with him? Because I knew that's our footwork. You know, that's our footwork <laughs> forever. Right. He uh, tells me he's at the NAC, the Newtown <laughs> Athletic Club. And it was, right. he just started there. So that was what? 2007-ish, 2008-ish? Around 2008, in that ballpark, yeah. So I walk in, I go there, and I walk in. As I walk in, Jimmy's looking at me like one of those dogs that you see from the Adopt Me Center. He's looking up at you with the big eyes, and I realize the fucker doesn't have his glasses on, so he doesn't know who I am. Right. So uh, as I get closer, he's like, oh, my God, he jumps up, and we hug, and he's like, you coming back? I'm like, yeah, I'm back. What's the first thing my wife probably says to him? He's not here to instruct. He's here to take classes. A week later, I was teaching classes. So, <laughs> and we've been back ever since. That's so. it. That's it. The rest is history. See, and, uh, I, rest is history. I don't think I knew Jim that you'd gone through a period of being an employee, and maybe I should have known that. Because wait, em- but, employee? No, the sucker still made me pay to come to the gym. The fucker. Nah, I, mean, no, no. I, I thought you always owned gyms. I thought, I, 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 and I guess that is a logical step. So maybe I was being right, a bit naive. Right. There. So here's what happened. No, no. What happened was I did always own my own place. And then what happened is this guy was offering me a lot of money per hour to teach. Yeah. At the Hibernia, it was a hardcore fight club. And I wasn't making any money. No, we just right? paid the rent there. We just paid the rent. I was like 25 bucks a month. Everyone had the key to get in, essentially. The code was a code. Yep. And then we just killed it. And so it wasn't about the money. But at that time in my life, you know, sometimes, you know, there are economic pressures. And this guy <laughs> said, hey, you could teach X amount of time per week. And it was a couple thousand bucks a month as a part time job. Yeah, nice. nice. So, yeah. So, and I tried to, by the way, for a temporary time, I tried to juggle both. 
but it became quite evident that I was unable to do that. And um, so, unfortunately, it was the passing. But, you know, when you go back, I don't want to get off our too far topics. Then as a result of that, I hooked up with other people, which helped me hook up with other people. You know, you connect those dots. So had I not done that, you know, I wouldn't we probably. We might not be talking to you right now. Tony. Right, exactly. So uh, it is interesting. So it was a good move. And, and that lasted probably about a year. And then I moved on to other things. But anyway, that's kind of how it happened. And Mick's been with me ever since. And we would get together at his house and train. He'd come to my house. We could train at the gyms and always trade ideas. And we'd, train, and then, we'd, we'd go to do seminars at states all over all over the place. We'd all be over. all over the place. So what, what, what happened was Mick, Mick was a super talented guy and unknown. You know, and that does happen. I went through the same kind of thing. Not that I'm known now, but you know what I'm saying. And so what you have to do is you have to introduce these people to the world. So the people say, hey, this guy's a talented guy. You should pay attention to what he's got to say and what, he, and what he's got to show and do. And then that, as a result of that, people got to know who, who he was. And, that you know, that attack it and, you know, Hawk did that for me. You know, yeah. what was the kind of connection between you guys? I mean, it, you can't if you go to a seminar together, you can't both teach the same thing. Because there's no point having two of you. So what was what is kind of differentiating the, you guys and what brought you guys together? Yeah, the, the connections were, you know, we trained together. We fought together a lot. And then you get to know each other. You know, you know what, who's how who's going to do what and how they're going to do it. So you kind of let one dictate what's going to happen. And then, you know, you just work together. And then our charisma and charm is unbeatable. It is. So there's nobody. There's, <laughs> you if can't you do say, say so yourself. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, you know better, Tom. You know if you get us two in a room, you're gonna you're you're gonna know it's gonna be a lot of trouble. Right. So when we would go, and by the way, it, it works that same way with Hawk and other people. You know that some it's like two musicians just jamming and stuff just happens yeah. to flow. You know there might be we'll discuss it. Oh, we, well, you'll do this, okay? I'll do this knife section. I'll do this yeah. whatever section, and then we just go. I we mean, don't even we went, discuss it. We just do it. Right? We went to Chicago for a JKD summit two right. years ago. And next thing you know, you know, Tackett has his session. A couple of the other guys have their session. And then, of course, everybody's an hour long, but not for us. We were three hours long. Right. We were the three hours long on that session. Nonstop. Nonstop. Yeah. I just kept going, kept riffing, no breaks. And that's how mm-hmm. it flows. And that's how it needs to be. It's one of the we've made DVDs that way, too. Just Right. Just here's what we're going to do. The paper hits the floor. We forget to even look ever look at the paper. <laughs> right. So <laughs> right, right. It's just it's, you just kind of flow with it, you know. So now back. So big part of your story, what I want to leave out is that you know uh, you were a jeweler, which I don't know if people know that now. You were a jeweler for how many years? Let's see. Uh, from 1986 to 2015. Wow. And is that because your pop was in it? Is that how it kind of happened? Well, how it happened is uh, Pops was an outdoor construction guy, fell and broke his back. Right. And while he's recovering, he started to work at his newly wife, my stepmother's uh, father's jewelry store. And next thing you know, he just for an then I started working there in this history. We, we were right. there in North Philadelphia, real rough section of town. It uh, really is a nasty section of town. And I've had probably three different martial arts schools down in that neighborhood where uh, uh, I was well-respected. Uh, uh, Spard Bernard Hopkins, once in the street. Wow. Uh, cool. Marvelous Frazier. Marvelous Frazier and I used to spar around uh, out in the middle of the street. You know, it's just a neighborhood I grew up in. Uh, it was known as the Blue-Eyed Devil. I can't imagine why. 
but yeah, that's, then, that's pretty much it. Right. And then, so the, the store lasted all those years and then you guys, you know, uh, let the start the store go. Yeah, we kind of, we had enough, you know, we did our, right. we did our damage in the neighborhood. We did really right. well. Uh, economy completely changed. The generations changed. Right. You know, the respect that you had with the previous first and second generation, the third generation just doesn't have that respect anymore. Right. So, so everything kind of changed. You didn't have a passion for it. The money wasn't there that you wanted. No, the money was completely gone. The money was right. completely gone. So yes. it was time to move on. So was that tough? It was real tough. You know, you move on. Yeah, I, I, I retired at 43. The stock market crash of uh, 2001 really kicked the shit out of me. Took away a lot of my retirement funds. So uh, like right now, I'm working like a kid out of high school. The odd right. and end jobs here and there. You know, if it wasn't for my school and teaching, I don't know if I'd be making it. Right, right. No, absolutely. Right. So, so, no, no, I hear you. Right. When, when you had the-, the jewelry store, was there a lot, you know, did you encounter, you know, the kind of stories I like to hear, you know, did yes. you ever have so, to whip out the shotgun kind of thing? So, well, <laughs> well, Tom, I keep the shotgun in my pants. So listen, so I mean, it depends on what shotgun you're speaking of. But, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, my bee shooter. Listen, so uh, there's two occasions <laughs> where I have had to have my weapon out. Yes. Um, in the store, once in the store, once outside of the store. Uh, multiple times I've been, well, hundreds of times I've been down the shop at night with uh, all different calibers of weapons and flashlights. And, you know, the police would sit out front and wait for me to pull up just to see what the hell I was getting out of the car with. So, in the. I don't know if you were at the house last time. Did we did we bring out some of my collection? They were. You didn't even bring them out. They were already out and ready uh, to go. Oh well, that's that's just because everybody in my household is ready to go. Yeah. Wife, daughter, son, myself. Right. It's fully you know, weaponized, Tom. Well, you know what it is having that jewelry store. You never know who follows you home. Right. So you don't. You know, and when you've you've both been to my home, it's pretty open in the back. It's all glass and. Uh, I don't know who's coming through the door and who's going to expect uh, uh, everybody to unload on you, like the Beverly Hillbillies. No doubt, right? Which, I, by the way, when, uh, that's a, uh, for jewelers. That's not uncommon for them to follow you home or get uh, followed. Yeah, get followed, uh, hold people hostage, take you back to the shop. Yeah, have you unloaded? Thing I have heard that from Nick Hughes from many stories that was going on down in the Carolinas. Yeah. And so that's not an uncommon thing. You have to, you know, you have to be prepared for the worst well, and stuff comes, right? Yeah, man. You know, the things, the things that I have to go home, come in and out of my door with is, uh, right. you know, at the time was, you know, I sold off shotguns and handguns and revolvers. I, you know, I keep a revolver inside my pocket because you get into this fight. Next thing you know, you're on the ground sprawling, rolling around and you shoot right. a semi-automatic, it jams up. I, I, right. I get my revolver and I can keep popping, keep popping that until the, until five or six shots are gone. Right. So until they're gone. Yep, until they're until they're gone, the, the, the bullets are gone, or I have gotten to my knife and so, stabbed you a few times. Right. So in your neighborhood, because we, you know, as far as self defense, I'm saying, I know where the neighborhood is, and I know the clientele that kind of came into uh, would be around there. When the guy comes in or a girl, totally disconnected, you automatically put on the, for lack of a better word, the tough guy persona. But you know or, what? No, I, I've never, we've never put the tough guy persona on because, right? You know, that just it instigates. Does it? So what you do is you carry open carry. It was your property. My weapon was out always. It was on my hip as soon as you walked in. And if I didn't like who you were, like say you and Tom walk in the door and I don't like the way Tom's haircut looks that day. Right. I'll call my dad, you know, because people haven't seen Tom's hair. It's pretty bad. It looks like he wakes up every day with it. So 
I pull the weapon out and say, my dad, as you're standing in front of me, look what I did to the gun today. And here it's out the whole time in front of the customer. And you're like, holy shit, what the hell did the guy just do? I have the gun out in my hand. I'm like, yeah, dad, look right. what I just did to this gun. Try to deter any type of bad feelings or if any shit like that happens. I did have an incident once where a guy told me I wasn't shit without my handgun when I carry a Glock 19. So yeah. I took the Glock out and I laid it on my counter. And this is a no bullshit story. I lay the Glock on the counter and I say, let's, let's see who dies first. Go for the gun. Let's see who dies first. And he's looking at me. I'm like, come on, let's see who dies first. And he's like, now nah, what's the catch? I'm like, there is no catch. I just want to see who dies first. He's yeah. like, nah, I don't want to play. So I pick up the weapon and I put it back in my holster. And uh, he says to me, what was the catch? I said, there was no catch. You were going to die. He's like, how do you figure? I said, well, let's, let's simulate it again. I put something on the counter. I mean, it was a pen or a pencil. I said, go for it. So as he reached for it, all he heard was the word bang. And he was like, where was that? And my dad was standing behind him. Bang. Ah, ah, <laughs> so, ah, ah, so you would have died. Simple as that. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. But That's we took care fun. of the neighborhood. The neighborhood took care of us. We've it never did. been we've never actually been held up, never been tried to held up be held up. They've tried to break in, but uh never once in my store, you know, have we tried to been held, you know, no one's ever tried to hold us up. Hold well, us they, up. Yeah. Because word goes think, out. Do you think that's because they knew you got you know, you guys were prepared? Well, Tom, you know how shy I am with my words. So <laughs> yeah, uh <laughs> big time. No, the way I speak to people and the way I am with people, I had no problem going out in the street. I, I fought many a times in the front of the shop. No problems. You know, you walk outside and then you're in the neighborhood, so you become part of the neighborhood. So when you're the only white fella in a pretty much Afro-American neighborhood, black neighborhood, and the neighborhood's cheering you on because they want you to beat somebody's ass, that's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you are actually quite a key part of that, of that community, and I've seen you – receive awards um from the kind of philadelphia martial arts community where yeah. all the guys are black guys and i know, was you, i was yeah. in, i was inducted into the uh black martial arts hall of fame last year that's which pretty is pretty cool, cool. it was yeah, really cool awesome. it was really cool and i gotta tell you what out of all the hall of fames i've been to the good ones and the bullshit ones that was probably the best one yeah. i had so much fun there it was really 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 well real really well done yeah, but Jim and I were talking about kind of martial arts awards and some of the bullshit around them. You know, over in the UK, we have some award ceremonies where you pay for a table and you kind of get a reward in return, which obviously yep. is, isn't is, isn't great. But I think it's testament to the work that you guys have done with your community. And you, you, you both said about Hibernia, where it was like, you know, a load of Irish guys and that kind of thing. But, you, you know, you, you both operate in highly black communities and do a lot of good work there. Well, you know, you got to figure, too, that when we came up through the martial arts, it wasn't this pity pet. You know, and I'm, and I'm not putting anything down in the new martial arts, but it's not this touch and go type stuff. We'd hit each other and we'd hit each other. We'd knock each other down and pick each other back up. We used to have a guy in Hibernia named Timmy. Remember him, Jim? Oh, yeah, big, sure. Big sure. Timmy. Big I have my, my heavy bag still has his name on it because oh, I'd right? hit this guy with everything I had and he would just look at me. And the only way he, he actually beat me was to put me on the ground and lay on top of me. I couldn't yeah. move. He's so, a big fat guy. Yep. Yeah, so I, I, can, I can kind of, uh, Tell me, tell me, my wife tells me to get off. I know what it feels and, like now. And you think that's changed? Think that? Oh hell yeah. yeah, yeah, that attitude's gone. I mean, how many schools do we go to nowadays? And you punch somebody, and you're like, wait a minute, that's that's a little too hard. What do you mean that's a little too hard? When you're going to tell the guy <laughs> in the street, right? I have a 15 year old girl. I have a uh, almost. He's going to be 16 soon. You put these two kids in front. I'll put them against most men these days. They are bad ass because they train in the old mentality, the way we the way we train. Which is different. So. That, that world really doesn't exist. It's much more difficult to teach publicly to train that at that level of craziness or intensity 
and it has to be a little bit softer and more uh, available to the regular people. It just won't exist. Even, I got to tell you, uh, I look at other schools like Princeton Academy of Martial Arts where Rick Tucci's was, and Rick is no longer a part of that school. He sold he sold it to a, a student, and, and, and Mike was super talented, but Man, I Mike know he's Lee. got Right, he's got a, a different clientele. It's just not the same. Plus, he moved. He moved the demographic, so he's not. Yeah, yeah well, he had. Yeah. Right, right. So it's just interesting. It's very hard to do that. So then you could still have your small group of guys go hardcore, do whatever the heck it is you want to do. But then for the average guy or girl, they're not interested in that, and they still want to learn to whatever level or that they want to do. So you provide it for them. You know, I have yeah. my killers, and I have guys who are really pretty tough guys, and other people who should never be in a fight. Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. Right, and that's just how it runs. I mean, and I, I, you got to dance in all this world if you're more of a public place. Same thing, by the way, is it, years ago, I don't know if you remember this, Mick. Why don't we do, and I, I get the appeal of it on your end, more like an advanced seminar, right? Let's teach more yeah. advanced, more complicated stuff. And I remember saying to you, was nobody will come. Exactly. <laughs> It'll be me and you and whoever else, right? Because it'd be too complicated. And, you know, if they're not familiar with the material or whatever it might be. So most seminars in general have to be designed behind the basic entry level, you know, and maybe up to third grade, you know, for the most part. And then when you have the guys or girls there who are a little bit better, you can give them a little bit more and more intensity, but it's much more difficult to, to do it. The way. other night when we were at the fights, when we were doing right. the uh, primal promotion fights, um, yeah. I thought to myself, I don't remember who it was or what year it was, but the, the year that somebody tried to get you and I to go out to Iceland to fight in the bare knuckle fights. Yeah. Who, who was that? The, I'm trying to remember. I remember that. Good God, that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I don't remember that. Wow. Now that's going to keep me up all night. <laughs> <laughs> right, Tom, what you probably didn't know is Mick is like the head of my security at my fights. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've been trying That's to. That's why we've quiet. had no problems. <laughs> we've had no. <laughs> now there's been no problems. It's funny. So Mick kind of heads up the whole security. And on our last event, he we had to throw some. Uh, he had to throw somebody out. This uh, one the Atlantic City event, yeah. Sorry. but this one was pretty calm. Tom, did you ever see the movie Roadhouse? Yeah, Pat- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so I, I'm gonna be so I hadn't bounced in years, and I guess Mick, you probably hadn't bounced years, and we were brought, called over to the to Newtown. Uh, what two years ago because yeah. the guy we know has like a little club in a pool kind of thing going on and and they had hired some real big meatheads and and they were threatening to beat up people so we were asked to go over there and and kind of clean out the place not that it was bad but it was kind of a funny funny setting and we went there and as soon as we went there there's no problem they kept calling every time i got mccann thornton and their crew there's never an issue it's awesome yeah. although yeah. one night Mick, I don't remember one night there was one guy, Tom, this place is amazing. I'll have to bring you over there. There's a, a slide, slide, the water like slides. three stories high that goes in the pool next to the bar. And are you, are you telling the story when I chased the guy up the water slide? Yeah. yeah. So well, he was up there smoking weed or something and Mick somehow got wind of it. And then uh, he and Mick goes, if I have to come up there. I'm going yeah. to fucking throw you off the top. <laughs> and, guess, and guess who had to go up there? And then Mick was running up the fucking up the goddamn slide, slide, you know, up the water slide, and he's dragging this motherfucker out. You know, I told you I'm going to kill you. It was funny as heck. So, so Tom, have you ever seen the cartoon, like, Captain Underpants? No, that's not it's one like, of my favorites. Well, I figured, you know, because you're into the midget <laughs> thing. That might so not I was, made it over here. Well, it's, it's a little guy in his underwear and with a red cape on. So I get down to the bottom of the water slide, and there's Jim with his hands on his arm, on his waist like Wonder Woman. And, that's right. Uh, 
So we both say simultaneously, if you jump in that fucking pool, because I thought he was just going to jump in the pool. And we just launched him, launched him out of the place, no clothes. He didn't have any of his stuff. Get out, get the hell out. Had to get rid of him. So then there was another fight there between two girls. I don't know if Jim, Jim, we were trying to break that fight up. So here I come walking up. And I have three of my guys with me too. I think it was Mike Austin and Greg and uh, somebody else. The girls are fighting, about to get it on. And I say, hey, excuse me. You know what? Let them fight. And they're all looking at me like, what do you mean let them fight? And I said, because you let them fight. Maybe we'll see titties. Why don't we take the titties out now? <laughs> and <laughs> believe it or not, they didn't fight after that. I was pretty upset. It was pretty upset about that. I mean, because none of the girls there are, I would say, huh, I think they're all, what, nines, sevens, seven to nines. There's there's hardly yeah. any ugly women to go to that club. All right, so, right, but it was funny. So we got called over there to, to clean out the to clean out yeah. the club. But yeah. it was it was a funny story. It was it was it was good. I don't think maybe we'll get brought back there this year. I might do maybe some so. fights there this year. Hey, you never know. You never know. You know. Tell me about um, Tackett and the JKD stuff. And you know, you you've got into that. That's become like the thing you're best known for now. Uh, oh, how how oh. did that happen? And you know, what was oh, the process me? there? Yeah. Well, how do I how do I came back to the gym. I came back to Jim. Jim and I found each other again, and we were doing some stick work. And he's like, hey, you, ever wanna, you want to try this Bruce Lee stuff out? I'm like, no. He's like, you might like it. He's like, I'm going out to uh, – where did we go to? I think it was Patrick Cunningham's school in um, Bayonne. Oh, Jersey. I could have been. So uh, he's like, yeah, I want you to meet this guy, Tim Tackett. I'm like, okay. I went and met Tim Tackett, and we've been stuck with him ever since. Right. So, you know, him, Vince Ramundi, you know, little uptight Vince with his tight pants. So, uh, <laughs> Dennis Blue, with I call Dennis Blue the Urkel of today's times because he pulls his pants up way above, right just below his, his breastplate. So, <laughs> well, now it's kind of so. So let, let's go back. So what happened was, you know, I introduced Mick to Tam and stuff, and Mick works his way up through the ranks and, and gets his full instructorship. Now. Uh, at one time, there was a board of directors. I am no longer on that board of directors. Uh, my time has been served. <laughs> I'm on good hey, behavior. I'm, really... I'm not sure where I stand, if I'm on that board or not. I, I think I am. I'm not sure. <laughs> now, it, change, would, it changes minute to minute. It changes. So with that, you guys are trying to you know, redevelop the program. What do you guys Well, right now, out? there's a seminar. Well, the, the seminar ended today. It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday in, in Las Vegas. Gotcha. So I wasn't able to attend due to some other things, but... Uh, Right, right. Next next year it'll be in February in California. I'm not it sure where be. it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, they're trying to rebuild it. You know, Taggart retired. A lot of things change as soon as that happens. So uh, right. the head of the pimple has come up now, and we're trying to figure out who, who who's going to pop it. Bye, right. So, ah. <laughs> that's the way it's got to sound. But right, yeah. no, I, right, right. So 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 is is anything is there anything we should be looking for that's coming up with this or. Well, I don't know any of the information yet. Dennis and I just spoke about it. Jeremy and I uh, uh, talked about having a seminar in California somewhere. They want to rent a school. I'm against the school. I believe it should be the way it was set up in in Florida when we went to West Palm. uh, West Palm, that was a great seminar. That was a great seminar. I think that's where Tom and I met, the very first one. And uh, everything was there. We had the restaurant there. We had the the good times there. And we had the seminar room there as well. We went upstairs to our rooms. Yeah, the first time the first time I remember like sort of hanging out with you, Mick, was oh, um, boy. Jim had kind of vanished and you were panicking because you were, you thought you were on the hook for looking after Jim. 
and uh, we were all out in town, and you were running around after him. That was that. That was down in West Palm, but I was in Bayonne as well. So where are you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, he was. But okay. I was keeping. You know, I was like a newbie, kind of keeping my head down. Yeah, that's where. That back those days were the good days. That's when Brent would come and Richie would come and Sean would come. The whole group would big come. Big group, big group. Yeah, we'd have the all this, all the instructors, you know, and, and all the all of us working our way up through the through the ranks. Um, Do you think we can get that back? I would like to, but I can't. I, 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 we have to start small again. We just have to start small again. We can, we can't uh, ask for an exorbitant amount of money for a seminar. It has to be. A decent price that everybody can get to. It's got to be at a place that everybody likes. It can't be in some hole in the wall where, where we've had some of our seminars. So, and there can't be an ego. You know, whoever's the leader of the group, the rest of us have to say, you know what, that's the leader of the group. That's how we voted it in. And there can't be any bullshit backtalk. You know, you yeah. get a lot of bullshit backtalk. Now, do you find that like that's now you did deal with a lot of other martial art groups and stuff? Do you think that's you think that's pervasive in a lot of the all different martial arts. I you know, do, but the term the term butthurt happens way too much these days. You know, right. that ego kicks in and for a long time the ones in that group didn't have that ego and uh I don't know if it's quite there now, but uh I, I think some people have been butthurt since Tim's retired and and they're just trying to fix it. And I and I you know, I'll do what I can to fix it and if it doesn't right, work, right. it doesn't work. Right, right. So what's going on with Batma? Where where are we with that? Batma is blending of the martial arts, that's kinda of like your creation. So it originally started out as a Taekwondo, Filipino, Indonesian, Kempoe type system where I just took everything, put it together, made it work for me so much. And uh, it all changed when I met Tim. It all yeah. changed when I met Tim. The whole dynamic changed when, when the Jeet Do mindset was kicked in and uh, uh, what's the word? Organized despair. You know, I really understood what that meant because how many, how many of us had read the Tao before we ever, before we ever started learning from Tim? Right, of we course. We read it. We thought we knew what the hell we were reading. And then when you go back and reread it, you're like, hmm, I really understand this now. So right, between right. that and the commentaries on the Martial Way by John Little, you know, those are the two books I make all my people get. But, um, yeah, that changed my mindset. I, I revamped everything and changed things around. And it's not so clicky anymore. It's not, it's not organized despair so much anymore. You know, it, how does Mike Tyson say it? It all changes when someone gets punched in the mouth. It does, it does. So, yeah, so, so that's changed it for the for the better and you know a lot of affiliates now there's places all over the place that, that learn it and want to do it and it's, it is what it is it's, it's turned out to be a really good thing sure now there's a rank system in it right there is i mean like like i don't have a belt system tom and i had a discussion about that a little while ago i'm sure we'll talk about that today yeah yeah um, i've got a couple of questions but we'll, we'll yeah come on to that. i don't i don't i personally you know we've been through the ranks we've been through the belts i mean uh, how many how many belts do you have in a box in the basement, Jim? Uh, a, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I I used to have them until my wife found the trash bag and put them in them, and they're no long no longer in my house. Right. So uh, she she threw it all out by mistake one day, and uh, <laughs> but yeah, we were all, we we were grounds for. Oh years. yeah, yeah. When you're teaching a kempo class down in the city, and like man, I can't remember the simple technique. Let me go home and get my notes. And you say to the wife, "Remember that bag that was right here?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah I threw that out months ago." And then you're like. <gasps> Your, so, your wife's amazing, though. Like, you guys have been together forever. Oh, and, 28 right, years, man. Yeah. Really strong relationship, right? So, yeah, she still makes up for it every day when she throws my notes, when she threw my notes out. But, you know, she, <laughs> she walks she walks with a limp now. But anyway, uh, no, ah. she's, she, <laughs> but so, yeah, that's how it started. You know, I started out with all those different martial arts. I put them together and make my own. And uh, 
then we, you know, to back it up a little bit, remember when we met Hawk, Hawk put things into perspective as well by saying right. uh, everything will work once. So he, he told me that statement one day and he said, listen, you know, something will always work once. So That's I don't right. reject anything anymore. I pay attention to everything because you never know that that pulling of the hair off of somebody's nuts might, might save my life one day. Right. I think we all go through that as we evolve. Um, you know, as you start martial arts off, we're very opinionated. Okay, this sucks. That sucks. And I think that's good because we got to have what we call a healthy bullshit meter. Yep. Um, but as we evolve and mature in it, you know, I, I care less, quite honestly, what other guys are doing for the most part, yeah. which is interesting because I was watching. I don't know these guys. There's that Master Wong guy that. Uh, oh, yeah. From. The UK, Tom. Do you know who he is? The Winchun yeah, guy. He, yeah, he's from Ipswich. His videos are, are kind of entertaining, very charismatic. They're entertaining as can be. Well, then there was, and so I watch him. I, like I, I got opinion. He is entertaining guy. He's crazy. And then there's some guy in Thailand or something. He's got this very deep voice and very monotone. And this guy took some of his techniques and ripped it apart. And that's a big part of. Um, I see that on YouTube all the time. Like, oh, why is Tom McGrath's Kung Fu no good? Let me show you all the bad things about his Kung Fu and discredit Tom. Like, I make right. it my job to discredit you, you know? And that's kind of what this guy did. I don't know anything about this guy. He seems like he knows what he's doing. But for me, as I look at this, I'm going, what a colossal waste of time yeah. that you give a fuck enough about what this guy's doing on any level that you make it your business. Yeah. You take your time, money, and effort to take a Sunday afternoon to discredit some guy you've never met or talked to. I think that tells more about the person doing that than the person who might have that bad technique. So one of my favorite stories about a seminar is uh, I was teaching down at Bill Bryan's school in Philadelphia, if you remember that place, Jim. Um, yeah, of course. I'm trying to think what it was called, what it was called back then, World of Mixed Martial Arts or something like that. Well, anyway, I'm teaching a seminar, and this fellow comes in, and he actually tells everybody I'm a fraud. He's like, you're a fraud. He's like, you don't have, you don't do seminars. You do uh, you only go to Tim Tackett seminars, and uh, that's it. You know, he's like, you're not an instructor. You're not this. You're not that. But all that going on, this is right after Bob Bremer passed away. So, uh, as I'm teaching the seminar, and this isn't this is without a shadow of a lie or no bullshit, but who calls me on the phone as this was going on? Linda Lee, Miss Linda Lee Caldwell called me on the phone in the middle of the seminar. So I picked up the phone. I answered it, and I said, could you just hold on a second? I put it on speaker. I said, hey, this is Mick. I'm teaching a seminar in Philly. I said, could you just tell everybody who you are? They'd probably be pretty excited. And when she said it, she said, hey, it's Linda Lee Caldwell. And I, I just gave my finger – I just raised my finger up to the dude. I was like, does it get any better than that? I mean, talk uh, about karma kick you in the nuts. Uh, right, right, right. So that, that is like one of the greatest stories ever. So no, it's a good – I think the crucial thing is everyone maybe has the right to criticize or to – to do that but you do have to suggest something better you do have to explain what you would do differently what the what not just what the problems are with what's being shown right but what the right answer is and i think too many people get involved in that sort of online trolling stuff where it's so you know, a good teacher is this and in my eyes you know some people say oh you're in a teacher you're an instructor there's two different realms to that it's all i don't give a shit if I if I can spell the word cat and you didn't know how to spell it and then today you do, did I just become a teacher for you? So it's simple as that. But to take something like, for instance, uh, like you said, you maybe do it different than I do. But the idea is, Tackett told me this once, there's three types of martial artists. The one who can do it, 
the one who can speak it, and then there's the one that could do both. I want my people to be able to do both, but I want them also to be able to say, there's Tom, who's uh, six foot one, and then there's this kid next to him, Joey, who's uh, six foot two. That's what I thought, but, you know, (laughs) but, uh, uh, well, your head's a little smaller today, so you might be six one. That's true. But, um, so then there's the smaller kid next to you. That's four point. That's that's four three, height differential. The idea to be able to be, walk up to those people, teach them the same technique and the same principle, but make it work for each one of them differently is 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 what it's all about to me. I, I don't want to regurgitate everything. I want them to make it their own, but still understand the principle I'm teaching them behind it. That's right. So, that's right. So, but yeah, hey, that's it. Hey, look, can I, can I just take it back to that conversation we were having before around the the grading stuff? So, so at JKD London, we we recently had a black belt grading. It's our first black belt grading. We use the uh, grading system that I think Gotlin Wan designed, possibly in conjunction with the Wednesday Night Group. Certainly, he says it's all approved by by them. We found there to be various benefits to having a grading system, but I, it, it's not what maybe bruce lee would have done well you never we can't say what bruce would have done you know what i mean we don't know where he was going with it how he would evolve it but if you recall back and when when uh the first west palm beach venture monday and and the board stood up on on the on the floor and said hey these are the colors we're going to go through this green shirt this yellow shirt this blue shirt this red shirt i don't remember the quite colors and that was but, from Bruce, right? Oh, that, that so was yeah, a, that would that yeah. was from Bruce, yeah. Because if you look at a, the, the yin and yang, and on his on his uh, papers, are all different colors, right? So I I believe in the grading system to a point because people know where they stand. So a belding system in the Jikendo, I'm just old school. I'd rather give them a level sheet and say, here's the level you are. Don't give a shit about a belt. You know, right. learn at your own pace. Because if you're wearing a say a green belt for six months roughly speaking then i come through the door and i just blast past you now the ego and the butthurt starts well how come i can't how come i can't grow fast as fast as he is you know i I just think that belts in our style of systems our style of fighting is just not the way it should be yeah gotcha yeah i I mean i guess for me black belt is kind of a universally understood standard it kind of means you're at the top of your game in whatever system that might be and right. when it comes to a sort of compare and contrast of what level you, you might be at, it's useful to use that analogy. So, um, but I, I see, I, yeah, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. So I, I understand what you're saying about that. But now I have this guy. Remember those three things that I said earlier. There's the one that can do it, the one who can speak it, the one right. that can do both. But if, you have, if you're wearing a black belt and maybe you're not the best physical specimen in the world, but you can explain it, the criticism you're going to get, oh, he's a black belt, but he can't move and he can't kick. They don't get the idea how well they can teach. Now, you figure – Look, go back to Mike Tyson again. Look at Customato. You know, did you ever watch him t- train Mike the way he did it? He couldn't move like – he couldn't move graceful and, and smooth, but man, he sure taught somebody else how to do it. So the understanding of that black belt to me is just uh, – I mean how many tournaments have you gone to and you see these people wearing black belts and that's the symbol of you're at the top of your game, but they cannot move worth a shit. For me, the black belt is more the being able to physically do it than the being able right. to teach it. You know that that's what instructor ranks exist for. I think generally there'd be some sort of assumption that a black belt would be good at teaching. Well, um, you figured. I don't know how it is over there uh, across the big pond there, but over here we have fourteen and fifteen year old kids that are second degree and third degree black belts in a martial art that they claim is deadly. 
kids, these kids can't even tie their shoes. I mean, they they paid for. Right. So. Right. 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 I, mean, I, I I agree with you there, but I'm, I'm, so my next point that I wanted to bring up was. No, that sucks. Um, Let's do something else. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> when when, <laughs> when I came and visited you, um, I met a young lad, and I, he must have been like kind of. 14 15 years old hunter i think yeah and he was good i mean he he, he definitely he definitely was good and i th- you'd certified him but i mean he he's still at a kid level any adult would be able to sort of beat him up in theory right i mean at, at the uh, time when i trained with him let me tell you what since he's been 13 14 years old i put him against any adult man that kid can move he can fight he knows how to move Listen to this. I have a thing going on in North Carolina in April in Camp Lejeune. 600 Marines. 600 Marines are going to learn how to do some hand-to-hand combatives. They're also going to use a bladed weapon around a um, plate carrier, the bulletproof vest. Who am I taking with me? Hunter. He's 50. He'll be 16 by then. The kid moves better than most adults that I know. He knows the material, and he is not afraid to step in front of the punch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though if he gets punched, that means, you know. You don't suck your seafood does, but uh, I, I've heard that once or twice. <laughs> Jim, what's what's your view on that? Like, you know, if you're going to certify people, say under the age of eighteen, is it, you know, did you have any issues with that, or is it kind of uh, if you're good enough, you're old enough? No, I just I just generally don't because they don't have the maturity level, understanding the breadth and depth of the topics at hand. So I don't think they deserve it. Yeah, well, yeah, everybody has their their way of doing it, and. Like for me, before I before I certified Hunter, I had a conversation with his folks. So uh, you know, and it's 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 again, he's only an apprentice. He's not like he's a full instructor. He's only yeah. an apprentice. The kid earned it. He deserves it. Um, right. I have another young lady coming up the ranks now. She just turned fifteen, and she wants to challenge my test. Now, if she wants to challenge it, who am I to say no to her? I don't teach kids and adults differently. It's all the same mindset. Again, I'm a private group. I'm not a school. You know what I mean? Right. So. No, no, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just think the real understanding of everything is it's impossible to have at a young age. You might be able to perform some of the techniques. I just don't think they would have a complete grasp on it. There might be those one or two that do, but that's the anomaly rather than the. Uh, yeah, and I, I believe I really believe I have the anomaly. Anomaly. I think I have a missing link here with this kid Hunter. But, He's just out freaking standing. Well, there you go then. But that's why he's got so, what he's got. Yeah, that's why. So, yeah, exactly. Right. So what's next for you, Mick? I'm a big, a big guy on studying the anatomy. I want to know what I hit and where I stab and what I punch and what I shoot. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes of the of the skin there. You know, I'm a paramedic for a bunch of years. Uh, taught the stuff. You know, performed it in the street for. Uh, you know, when I worked for squads and stuff like that, knew how to hurt people. So I went into I went into the medical field to show know how to fix people. No, I don't care enough. I just want to hurt him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good, Mick. Hey, man, thanks so much, man, for taking your time. Anytime, I, gentlemen. Anytime. I, now, it was great. Now, I know your daughter is off to school now. She's been dabbling in it for years, obviously. You give her any tips on how to fuck somebody up at college? <laughs> so we had, a, we had a seminar at the NAC one year when Tim was there. Right. Um, I think that was a day I, I, you know, remember that gold medallion I made him, we all pitched in, I made him that big gold medallion, that Wednesday night group medallion. Yeah. Yeah. So if you recall, we were doing shinny stop kicks and I forget who the other instructor was. I, actually, I know who it was. I just can't say their name. I, I don't want to mock them on the, on the air here, but they weren't teaching it correctly. So, uh, Taka turns to me and said, where's your daughter? 
I went outside and got Sydney, and she actually stood in front of the adult men, all the men there, and actually showed them how to do a sh- the shinny sidekick the way we do it. Right. So Tackett was like, "This how old? How old is she back then? Ten years old? Why? Eight maybe. years old? Between eight or ten? Yeah. So so you know she's done it. Uh, she 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 uh, got into a fight just before. I shouldn't say a fight. She got into a uh, defensive match helping out one of her girlfriends at high school. Okay. And she shinny stop kicked some guy in high school, and I got a phone call about it. That's great. So, awesome. Um, yeah, so you figure the girl knows how to shoot. She knows how to knife. She knows how to stick. She knows how to fight. But the biggest thing is she knows situational awareness. She knows when to look behind her, how to look behind her. She knows right, what to say important. to people across the way. Right. So uh, situational awareness for me and the kids are huge. Nice. Good. Hey, Mick, man, thanks so much, buddy. And uh, we'll get together soon. You only live like... 20 minutes away so I wish, if it was 20 minutes away it'd be good it's like 45 minutes away is it well you gotta drive so, faster plus, plus you owe me money so i gotta i gotta come look for you anyway there you go well <laughs> i don't know where i'll be all right Mick. Hey, another great show primal thank radio. you gentlemen tom anything you gotta do before we check out brother no primalradio.net you can find us there guys all right all the shows tom did a great job on that site you can listen to everything and by fact we were talking about this week and i ran into some guy who i just sort of know casually very casually would have had no idea that we had a radio show and he said hey dude i listened to your podcast or whatever you call it, your radio show and i was like whoa no kid he knew and it wasn't bullshit because he knew shit you couldn't know unless you listened so and that nice. makes tom very happy because this guy's not a martial artist not a martial arts fan so we must be semi-entertaining to some part of the the field of it. all right another great show primal radio we'll be back next week peace out You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.